welcome back to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. Uh, I'm Nick, this is Garland, and today we're asking the question, where did our Old Testament come from? Our collection of 39 books that we find nicely printed and packaged in our English Bibles, where did those books come from? Did they come to us falling from the sky in tablets? Just like this. Just like that. Landed like this. Printed in paper. Okay, so how do we get... In English. In English. English. That's helpful. How do we get these books? Where did they come from? That's a great question. Uh, It's a a big question, and... um, I never even knew this was a question that needed answering until my freshman year of college. I remember it uh, vividly. Uh, in one of the humanities classes I was in, they almost one of the very first classes, one of the very first uh, of the units of my freshman year, uh, they presented a view of the Old Testament that it was written, let's take the first five books, we call it the Torah, uh, not written by Moses at all. In fact, it was written by four different authors. This is their argument. Uh, this was their argument. Yeah, yeah. Uh, written by four different authors. They called it, the, the name they had for it was the scholarly opinion. Oh, uh, yes. And so uh, the scholarly opinion was that the Old Testament was not written by Moses. It was written by four different authors, that those different authors were uh, over hundreds of years and that its final form was not put together until about the mid 400s BC. Okay. And it- Just it, to give people some context, when do we believe Moses lived? So Moses, we're gonna put, some people would put Moses as early as about 1400, so okay. 1440 BC. Uh, and and a lot of a lot of scholars would put him somewhere in the 1200s, okay. so about 1230 BC, 1200 BC, somewhere back then. And they were saying, okay, not Moses, but in fact, four different authors over hundreds of different years. And and just to give some some help for people who are, this is a new concept to them. Why are we inclined traditionally to think the Torah was written by Moses? Well, for one thing, Jesus says, as Moses said. Yep. uh, Okay, so Jesus refers to, he's quoting Moses. And often... Oftentimes in our Old Testament, we'll say the book of Moses says, the law of Moses. And so the Bible affirms the authorship of these first five books by Moses. So the story as it presents itself is you have Israel in Egypt. They come out from the, in the Exodus. They're given the law in the desert. Moses records their story and the law. And those are our first five books. And those are our first five books called the and Torah. The, and the scholarly opinion is Moses did not, have, Moses isn't about Moses, Moses. even if he even existed in the first if place. If he existed. But these other four authors, about an 800 year difference roughly between when we are led to believe it was written right. and when they're now saying it actually was written. And it was devastating for me. Yeah. I, 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 had, to, I had to write a paper <laughs> defending uh, the scholarly opinion in rejecting what I th- had always believed about these okay. uh, first five books. So uh, here you are. You're not only are you having this little crisis of faith for as a freshman in college, you're having to write a paper attacking your yeah, own faith. Yeah, which was del- a delight for me. Yes, um, and and I think that was my particular experience. I do think that I'm hearing more and more. You see them in you know every every Christmas we have the you know CNN does a special about yeah. Jesus. Was he this? Was he that? Who is Jesus? And they almost always begin with. The, where these books came from. We, yeah. did this, we had the same thing, kind of a crisis culturally, about 10 years ago uh, about the New Testament, which we'll cover in a different podcast, yeah. uh, when the Da Vinci Code came out. Sure. And so where'd we get our New Testament? And I think that this question is now resurfacing in kind of in our cultures. Where do we even get this? It's yeah. been swirling for hundreds of years, kind of in, this, in the scholarship circles, but now popularly, if I can't trust that this came from the Lord, if this seems like it's really messy, then... Yeah. How can I trust it and what do I do with it? And the fundamental problem is if we're under the impression that these historical events are described by people who saw them happen Mm -hmm. and we find out 
actually it's hundreds of years later hundreds yeah. of years later when they wrote it how could someone hundreds of years later have an accurate understanding right uh, of what of what happened and the bible calls it history it calls oh, itself okay. history so that's that's the, the that's the problem weight. that's, that's the, the, the weight of the problem yeah, that's okay. the challenge so just to begin to to throw an answer out there the the first thing we have to do is we have to understand that every single worldview system every political ideology every political every religious system begins with certain assumptions about reality, right. assumptions about truth. And Christianity is no different. Christianity begins with two, you may say, two great, grand, huge assumptions. One, we presuppose, we assume, we believe by matter of faith that God does exist. Right. Uh, we can't prove it empirically, but we believe that God exists. Yeah. The second one is this, that this God not only exists, but He has revealed Himself. Right. Otherwise, there's no way for me to know anything about this God. Uh, right. Does he like humans? Is he, does he not like humans? Is, is he for us? Is mm -hmm. he against us? Is he involved? Is he not? And so uh, Christianity stakes its claim on the fact that God exists and that he has revealed himself to us. And one of the ways he's revealed himself to us is in the person of his son. Yeah. That's, we might say, the, the paramount way he's revealed himself to us. But right. another way he's revealed himself to us is through the scriptures. And so these written documents that we call the Bible, mm -hmm. these 66 books of the Bible, we believe that these are God's revelation to humanity of himself for his glory and for our joy and ability to follow him and love him. And those assumptions, those presuppositions that God exists and he's revealed himself, we can't prove them empirically. Right. But we also would say they are um, reasonable once assessed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so once once you look at the scriptures, we can actually there's things we can do to look at this claim that Jesus Christ lived absolutely. historically, died, and rose again. Right. Yes. Uh, that we can't we can't prove all these claims empirically, but they they can be shown mm -hmm. to be reasonable mm -hmm. once we enter into that world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So n now we come to how we got the Old Testament. Yep. It didn't fall from the sky as the books that we have them now. Yep. And in fact, the Hebrew Old Testament is in a completely different order than our English Old Testaments. Okay. And so we've got to do a little work, and and I'll I'll. I'll say this on the front end, the process of how our Old Testament came to be is more messy than a lot of us would like. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons for having this, uh, this particular podcast. When we have pat answers mm -hmm. to tough questions from our culture, yeah. um, A, it's not helpful to our culture. B, it makes us look foolish and ignorant. And yeah. then lastly, the minute we begin to do any sort of critique or any sort of assessment of some of the questions, the minute we begin to think about them, mm -hmm. if we don't think clearly, if we don't do our due diligence, then oftentimes what it does is it can destroy our faith like it was doing for me in college. Yeah. And so uh, God is not afraid of our curiosity. He's not afraid of our uh, asking tough questions. And so uh, when we look at how we got the Old Testament, I want to use the book of Proverbs okay. as a case study. Okay. And if we can use Proverbs as a case study, it's probably the easiest place to see this. I, I want to give a caveat. I'm not trying to make anyone feel, uh, to undermine the authority, uh, sure. undermine the, the validity of their Old Testament. Right. I, I don't want to cause somebody, uh, as we walk through this, uh, more doubt. Uh, I hope that this will begin to help them engage this topic. Uh, and so when we turn to the book of Proverbs... By throwing that caveat out there, I'm assuming you're about to destroy my faith in the Old yes, Testament. Yes, I'm really nervous if, about if it. I'm, I'm feeling, that, I'm feeling then... worried, actually, okay. as we go through this. Uh, <laughs> so when we look at the book of Proverbs, it's actually right there on the page in our own English. We can see it. Yeah. And uh, if you've ever read through the book of Proverbs before, you might have just missed it. Here's what we see when we look at the book of Proverbs. Uh, if you look at the very first verse in Proverbs, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, 
the son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so it's a testing. It has an author. This has an author. Solomon it tells us who name. it is. His name is Solomon. We can affirm and, and look historically. Solomon was a real person. Uh, he lived in the uh, 900s BC, so right about 1000 BC. Okay. Uh, we can even date his death, 931 BC. So a historical figure named Solomon, son of David, began to write. Great. If I ask somebody, the average person on the street, who wrote Proverbs, almost every Christian is going to say Solomon. Solomon, right? Because right, it's right here. There, there it says, it's right there. And indeed, when we turn over, over to chapter 10, it's going to say the Proverbs more, some more Proverbs of Solomon. Great. Uh, and that's helpful. Okay, we've yeah. got two sections attributed to Solomon. The issue is going to show up for us when we look at the book of Proverbs when we turn to chapter 22. Okay. Now what we're going to have in most English translations that have come out in the last few years are going to call these the 30 sayings of the wise. Okay. Who, who are the wise? I don't know. Who are the wise? Yeah. And in fact, what's fascinating is these Proverbs will parallel Egyptian Proverbs. Hmm. But they're updated to glorify Yahweh, the God of Israel, instead of these Egyptian gods. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Then what it's going to do is it's going to come back in chapter 24, and it's going to say, now 24, in fact, verse tw chapter 24, verse 24, these are more Proverbs of the wise. Okay. So now we've got, is this a different collection? Is these, are these the same wise guys that wrote the first sayings of the thir these 30 sayings? Is this a different collection? Right. Questions that I have myself. Then we're going to look at chapter 25, and it's going to say, now we have more Proverbs of Solomon, but now it gives an additional note. As recorded, as copied by Hezekiah at the, at, and his scribes. Okay, now Hezekiah, he lives later than Solomon. He's later than Solomon by 250 years. Hezekiah is, is the king of Israel. Uh, you might, the easy date for him is 700 B.C. So 200 years later, Hezekiah has a collection of Proverbs of Solomon, where were they? Were they floating around in his archives? He said, let's copy these and put these together. So the impression we're starting to get is not that Solomon sat down and wrote 31 chapters 31 of Proverbs, chapters. that we have a book of Proverbs that contains Proverbs written by Solomon, a collection of Proverbs written by some wise people we don't know who they are, and now more Proverbs, more Proverbs from Solomon, of Solomon than Hezekiah recorded, recorded 200 then, years later. 200 years later. Then we get two unknown people that are not Jewish. Their names are not Jewish. They're not Hebrews. In chapter uh, 30, we get the Proverbs, the wise sayings of Augur. Okay. Who's then, Augur? We, we don't know. know. We don't know. No other reference to him. No other reference to him. And then in chapter 31, for nine verses, we get the sayings of King Lemuel. Not a recorded king. Not a recorded king of Israel. And then we end the chapter with uh, one of the most famous parts of Proverbs. It's actually, it's an untitled, there's no author given to it, acrostic poem working through all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay. Just a poem stick, stuck on the end there. Uh, about? It's, uh, it's about an excellent wife who could find. Uh, okay. and, and it's one of the more famous Proverbs uh, that we have, Proverbs 31, 10 through the end. Okay. There we have it. Okay. So when we look at the book of Proverbs as a case study, it's significantly more messy than a lot of us would like. Right. I want to be clear on what it is we're affirming as Christians. What we're affirming is the original authorship in its original language is the inspired text. And when we come to the Old Testament, it's tricky to know what the original is. Right. What we would be affirming is whoever put these collections together these Proverbs of Solomon, these Proverbs of Lemuel, these Proverbs of Augur, this acrostic poem at the end, these words of the wise, fashioned it into the 31 chapters that we have now. That 31 chapter collection that we now call Proverbs, that original writing collection of those things is the inspired text. Okay. And so it's not that um, 
that we have to know necessarily who that compiler was. Because we're not given. We're not given. The name of that compiler. It, some, some scholars would say it could be as late as even Ezra in the 400s. Okay. So what we have to acknowledge when we get to the Old Testament is there is a process of God revealing himself. Yeah. He, we believe he wrote these Proverbs through King Solomon. Yes. And that a later hand is involved in putting together these Proverbs in exactly the order that we have. And all of this process is inspired by God to give us this revelation of the Lord in the 31 chapters that we have it now to this day. So it sounds like what you're describing is a process that's neither the, maybe the traditional view I grew up with nor the extreme view you encountered in college. Right. It's not necessarily that Solomon sat down and wrote 31 chapters of Proverbs and gave it to us. Right. It's also not that we can't really trust that any of these attributed authors are real, some, mm -hmm. some much later person. Mm -hmm. You seem to be describing a process where all of the, the, the figures that were given and named are historically authentic mm -hmm. and that they genuinely wrote the text that's attributed to them. And through the history of Israel, there was some process of bringing those texts together mm -hmm. to give us what mm -hmm. we now have. And we, we affirm that that is all part of God's re revealing himself to us through written words called our Hebrew Old Testament Bible. Okay. Now, what we can be confident in, when we read a psalm, and it says a psalm of David, yes. uh, there's some interpretation we can do of that, but we sure. can, most scholars would say that this was written by David, yep. or maybe about David. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we can be confident that Solomon wrote these words here. Yes. When an author's named. When an author's named, we can go for it. Great. Yep. Uh, when an author is unnamed, that should not give us pause that this yeah. is no longer, just because that this is no longer inspired by the Lord, the, the covenant community of faith affirms that these, yep. this is exactly how God was revealing himself, even though the author is lost to us now. We see the same thing in the New Testament. Neither Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John put their name at the beginning of the letter. Right. Now, it was a, had attestation from the church that these were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the titles were actually attributed later, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. It shouldn't give us pause, though, that those are not the revelation of God to his church. And so I want, to, I want to help us understand when we encounter this question in our culture that our quick pat answers mm -hmm. may not be A, correct, and yep. B, all that helpful. And we have, to, we have to be okay with the process of God bringing together his inspired word to his people. I think the question that comes to my mind that would maybe be the one that would bring up some fear and hesitation right, right. and skepticism is, so you're describing a process mm -hmm. where maybe Moses wrote and then later a compiler brought his writings together, Solomon writes, and what's the limit? Like, when is our Old Testament complete? When do we have a complete mm -hmm. text? Mm -hmm. So we, we would affirm as Christians, we have an, a complete Old Testament witness to a coming Savior, yeah. to God in covenant with His people and a coming Savior. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do another podcast later on these, we call them the intertestamental books, the right. apocryphal books, uh -huh. these books that take place, what we might say after our prophetic witness ends, about yeah. 400 B.C. and before the time of Christ. What, what we would affirm as, as Christians is that what we have in the Old Testament is we have a prophetic voice speaking of God and covenant with his people, looking forward to God answering our ultimate problem, which is our brokenness and sin. Yeah. And that is pointing ultimately to a coming Messiah, a yeah. third person masculine singular who is coming, this anointed one, mm 
who we know to be Jesus. And we would also say that it is not in contradiction with itself, that it is sufficient to know God, that yeah. it is authoritative to follow and love God. Mm. And therefore God saw fit because it is his inspired word to bring it together and acknowledging that that process isn't as nice, neat, and clean as yep. 21st century modern people would like. Right. I mean, we can do things by computer. Yep, sure. Uh, we have to be okay with that. Yes. Um, and so, for at least some level, and this, this isn't the whole of the story, what we know is we have inspired authors, mm -hmm. we have a process, and, we have, and that, that God is revealing and bringing together His prophetic witness that culminates in the revelation of His Son. Yes. And that is our culminating point of revelation. Absolutely. And that's and to the, the point where John says, if you want to know what God is like, yep. Jesus reveals him. Yes. And so it's, it's all been pointing to this figure, Jesus, this Messiah, the Christ. So we don't have to worry about a never ending, my goodness, Jesus is, is it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, the, the finishing point of, of right. God revealing. And we'll have a later it. podcast on the New Testament, how right. we got it. But yep. for the purposes of, of our Old Testament scripture, um, this, is, this is the... The, the way to understand how this, these words got to us. Yeah. And uh, I like history. I think it's interesting to, to recognize that God had to condescend to our human language, to human authorship, to condescend to categories of words mm -hmm. and grammar. Yeah. And he didn't have to. Yeah. But he saw fit to reveal himself in such a way that we can know him. And the moment he did that, it just got messy. Because yep. it touched humans. It touched and humans. so uh, I think, as I think about that, that gives me confidence in God's grace and mercy. Yeah. Um, I'm a history nerd, so I enjoy watching this develop over time uh, and how the process developed. But uh, I, want, I want people listening to this to kind of, to, to not give a pat answer when this comes up and yeah. to be able to, to wrestle with how the Old Testament came to be and, and where it comes from. Well, that's helpful and I think clarifying and hopefully will equip us to engage the conversation that we may or may not face um, in, in the culture, in the marketplace of ideas. So thank you and thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed how we got the Old Testament. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in scripture at Proverbs and 1 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. We also recommend the books The Reliability of the Old Testament by Ken Kitchen and Old Testament Textual Criticism by Ellis Brotsman and Eric Tolley. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.